Just give me the cheat code. Give me the hack. Yeah. Want to make it easy, uh, right? This is what society rewards: is getting good at things, doubling down, and going all in, making a choice, and actually succeeding at it. Welcome to the episode of the Profitable Property Management Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Muela. And guys, we're doing it remote. It's been quite a few minutes since we've had a remote episode, but we're doing one right now because there was something that felt timely and it was of particular interest that I wanted to talk about, someone I wanted to jam with. Jeremy Pound, thanks for being on with me, brother. I'm excited to be here. You know, it's like Borat. You get a studio, I get a studio. I had to keep up with you, right? So I was like, I can't let y'all do me. So I'm excited that we brought our studios together. Thanks for bringing me in. Yeah, and yours is looking tight, dude. You got a, you got a fly setup. I dig it. I love the investment. I'm seeing a number of people getting in the content. cameras. Like, yeah. By the way, this was a dining room. This was a formal dining room in my house that I had four meals in over the course of six years of living here. You found a better and, use uh, for it. As I joke with my accountant, my whole house will be a write-off by the time you're done. So I just keep adding room. So here we are. You found some highest and best use. Yeah. I love that. I see a number of people getting in the content game. You noticing that too? Oh, of course. And you and I've been talking about forever. It, I think it's one of those things that we've all appreciated and, and as consumers have bought into for years, but it just seemed like, oh, that's for other people. Right. And then now we're being like, well, you know, you start talking to the most successful people in your life and they're all doing content. And you're like, okay, well, maybe I need to, you know, it's like the, I was the 2010 version of like, I finally need a website. Well, mm -hmm. maybe we finally need to get into content, right? It's just like, we're always late to the game. I feel like that's where we are with content. Yeah. Content is so interesting because if you think of all the distribution mechanisms of all the lead gen of all the growth plays, content is one that probably in, is similar to others in, in this way that it does have some requirements. Like not anybody can actually do content. It's this beautiful dichotomy of on the one hand, yes, anybody can do it, you know, just get over yourself, get out there, speak your truth, blah, blah, blah. And like, I, I very much believe that at the same time, you do have to have some conviction. You have to have something to say, something you really believe in. Like if you have no deep seated belief and you're just looking for leads, do SEO, do, do, do PPC, do, do something. You know, so it's way less about our fancy setups as we're joking about right now. None of that matters if you don't have a point of view. I mean, you know, we can pull up an iPhone and just film ourselves talking about great content. That's going to trump super sexy, uh, you know, polish that we have. Well, this is great. It's going to stand out in the feed. Mm -hmm. It's going to get people to watch you. It's going to get people to remember you. You know, uh, I, I laughingly say this as I wear a t-shirt to our call. It's like showing up to a meeting in a suit, right? It's going to get you respected a little bit more. But if you don't have the, the substance, you know, forget the content. It's not going to work. It's really best as a, as a forcing function. By making the investment, you feel more obligated to lean in. You know, I can see it being helpful. Yeah. In that way. But yeah, you're right. I mean, the, the vast majority of views every day on everything social. Yes. And the use of views. I like that you said the forcing function. The studio, the goal of this studio that I created is I have these like little remotes and I just come down and I just click like six buttons and everything gets up and I can start filming a video. Ease. Yeah. Last year, uh, like you've probably seen a lot of video in my library, which I'm looking at across the room. It would take me an hour and a half to set up 
the tripod and the cameras and the lighting. And by that time, I'm like, all right, I'm off to another meeting, right? So it's both the forcing function and the convenience. I know you've told me you love that as well. Like you've got the studio you can just walk into. Anything that's a barrier, it's just like working out in the morning, right? We talk about it all the time. It's like having your shoes set out the night before, like just getting ready to go, get it all on. Like it just lower the lower the resistance. That's what that's what I was trying to do. That was my goal with the studio. You know, I find the topic of latency and friction removal, it's kind of low-key profound. I keep coming back to that book I read years and years ago by Eli Goldrat, the ghoul. But one of the biggest takeaways from that book for me was understanding the impact of um, decreasing cycle time for whatever it is that you do. It's yes. it, it's kind of non-obvious the impact that it makes. But yes. in this case, just removing the friction from doing the filming had a mm-hmm. profound difference for me. When I was responsible for doing everything before and after, it became excruciating. When I had an experience like I just had, Jeremy, I opened the door. I walk up, I walk in, I sit down, there's a bottle of water. All I had to do was start talking. I mean, that's just begging for creation as opposed to I got to set it up and figure it out in the codex and the files and the uploading. I mean, wow, that's 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 pain. And I think that applies to a million other areas of life as well. You brought up working out and you brought up like your setup, but at home gym versus driving to gym, right? Mm-hmm. Another Another example, there's a million more of those out there. Um, a million, a million. We can talk about you and outbounds. You know, it's like you have the list created the day before. Oh, right? oh boy. You and I have talked oh, about this a million times. List sorting. You know? I wanted to make the calls, but yeah. I had to get my setup right. Get it all set up. You know, it wasn't right. Uh, the phone wasn't working. I didn't have the right list. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's all the reasons. So it, this is a life universal lesson for us get this get the setup out of the way and just show up and do the work all right well you said it you brought up outbound um let's go there man let's talk a little bit about what you're seeing right now back half of 2023 what folks are doing to drive disproportionate growth results and when we say that um really we're talking about like the delta from the baseline there are certain strategies that are the current dividends are being paid off based on investments that were made years and years and years ago and there are other activities and campaigns that you're able to see in real time go from kind of from start conception actually to producing yield so tell me man i'm really curious what are you seeing produce yield what have you been able to watch from inception all the way to actually production what was the timeline involved what are the mechanics what types of strategies what are you seeing this is your bread and butter it is uh, at this point some people are probably wondering if i'm a mechanic or a sales coach why i've got a uh toolbox on my desk right now uh, and this all feeds into this i mean the answer is um it all works with the right effort and the right mechanics and the right market all of these things work. So we can walk through a number of those things, you know, and, and we are fortunate enough to work with people that have been doing this for a long time and they're riding the crest and the wave of momentum that they established 10 years ago. And we're watching new people just pop up and just absolutely explode and we're taking notes. So I, one of the things about, you know, kind of the toolkit that we talk about all the time and this, you know, idea of all bound and what we're really talking to our clients about is, you know, stop, searching for the one thing that's going to work for you that works for everybody else right um sales and marketing is a is a risky game it it takes experimentation it takes some thoughtfulness Uh, some of it will work some of it won't and so much of our business especially in a operations game like property management we we 
abhor waste, right? We're looking for a zero waste business model. But on the sales and marketing side, there's going to be some waste, right? You got to try it. If it was literally a copy and paste model, like I will take this play off of the shelf and I will run it and it will work and there will be zero waste and I will get exactly the margins I wanted, everybody would, right? So that's the thing that we always talk about is in sales and marketing, there is going to be waste. There's going to be experimentation. It's going to be market driven. It's going to be brand driven by what you can do. So what are we seeing work? We're seeing everything work, right? We've got... um we just le released the scoreboard so on this week in PM. Gonna, I think we're going to talk about, we've got our scoreboard, our market leaders, uh, our market leader in Charlotte, North Carolina closed 96 doors last month. Hefty. In one <clears throat> month. And how many, uh, how many owners out of, comprised of the 96? It was a very unique strategy that I don't want to give away. Uh, it included partnering up with somebody who brought in a group of investors that they were able to bring in all at one time. So it wasn't a mega deal. But it was a, it was a 80, 80 of those 90 something doors were basically brought in through kind of a one effort. Mm. So I don't want to give that away because that's a proprietary thing you're doing. We'll be talking about that in this week in PM. Um, just below that, we've got, you know, our good friend, Mark Ainley with his podcast in Chicago, perennial leader on the leaderboard. I think they're closing somewhere between 15, 60 doors a month. He is a local celebrity in Chicago. He's got the best podcast he's got events people show up when we i think you can you can relate jordan if you and i meet somebody at uh narco national and they walk up and they say hey what's working for lead gen and they say yeah just start a podcast going back to the beginning of the call create content build it for three years spend all this money on it and you'll start closing 50 doors a month it's probably not the answer they were looking for when they were like what's working in lead gen right they're just going to gloss over and be like well that sounds great for them not going to do that on the flip side SEO is working. Good old fashioned cold calling investors is working. Having your shingle out and taking advantage of all of these accidental investors that are coming is working. Real estate agent networking is working. It's been working forever. Pay per click is working. Pay per lead is working. Even though we think it's super expensive, we've still got clients that are crushing it with a pay per lead kind of model with like an all PM or a geek or something like that. So the truth is, it's all working. The problem is, is knowing what's going to work for you, knowing what your appetite is, building a lead stack that's going to work for you, and not being whole, like being uh, held hostage to a single strategy, you know, and just doing it that way. So it's all working. It's it's not the answer people want to hear, Jordan. No, no, yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say. It's not the answer people want to hear, but I gotta say, I'm a if that's what you're selling, I'm buying. I generally subscribe to the idea that growth looks so much simpler on the outside, and it looks like that there would be one best strategy universally across all owner temperaments, markets, etc. That would just be the thing to do. And the reality is that the setup is so individual and unique to you. If I reflect back on my career, a lot of the marketing decisions that I made were based on what did I want to do? What sorts of activities did I want to engage in? It's kind of not kosher to say because it sounds like some gross sub-optimization, but it is true that if you're hearing these words, you are a human that is deeply irrational at your core. It's our nature. Our nature is to lean and map towards business practices, strategies, partnerships, relationships 
that we enjoy and that we feel comfortable with for whatever individual reason, that absolutely applies to sales and marketing. We talked about with the podcast on the front side, but I feel like I feel the same way everywhere else. PPC. So, Jeremy, some people just kind of get off on being in the campaign manager, getting your settings dialed in, getting it figured out versus thinking about SEO and the algorithms. Like they all kind of come with their own distinct set of activities. And it's really common for me to see these strategy actually born out of what, how people prefer to work and what they prefer to work on rather than some purely um, probabilistic model of what is likely to produce the highest results. Because the model of what's going to produce the highest results, those models are made up. You know, People like put their finger on the scale depending on, on what, mm-hmm. what, <clears throat> what their background is. Well, let me, let me say this, Jordan. If anyone's watching this and says, why would it matter that I want to uh, to double down on that effort? Or why would it matter that I have an interest in making that my lead source? Because they're like, well, results are results, right? Like, I, I bet a lot of people are here, like, why would what I care about matter? Well, what, why you care about what matters is because none of this shit works overnight. It's not easy. It's time. You have to it's do it over and work. over and over again. Yes, exactly. Hundreds so of times. Like, you know, it would be great if we could all just sign up for wrestling club tomorrow and be a world champion wrestler, or we could just join the football team tomorrow and be the best in class. No, this takes pursuit. This yeah. is like, this is what society rewards is getting good at things, doubling down and going all in, making a choice and actually succeeding at it. And, you know, you and I both get these calls all the time. Just give me the cheat code. Give me the hack. Yeah. want to make it easy, uh-huh. right? Lay like, out for me, coach. Put me in. Whatever you say, I'm gonna do. Yes. Well, my my. Yeah, I mean, we can tell them what to do. A good coach is gonna save you a ton of time. A coach is gonna help you stay on the path. But we're gonna take time. We're gonna take money. But and I'm not saying though, Jordan. Some people can solve their legion problem by just spending lots of amounts of money. Yeah. Well, your that's sk- okay. Your skill and will is the key primary input. I, I get this. This. Lead simple is a frame for me. When someone signs up and pays money, in some cases, there's the perception that what they are paying is what came on the invoice. What you're paying to get set up and to rebuild the processes and the infrastructure for your business, what you paid wasn't what was on the invoice. It was your time. The awareness, you, your team, you spent tens of hours, in some cases, hundreds of hours. And certainly with growth, that's going to be the case that mm-hmm. you're going to spend hundreds of hours on this. So how could your interest or enjoyment not be relevant? Like, how could that possibly not be relevant? And like you said, for the day, for David Goggins listening to this podcast, because we know he's going to crush this podcast, but for, you know, he's, maybe that guy's exempt. Maybe if it was standing on his head for 16 hours a day, he'd do it. For the rest of us, myself included, my my enjoyment and interest, and that really does vary. It's a practical consideration because the panoply of what you talked about, and it wasn't exhaustive, but a BNI, that's, that's a great example. You know, We talked about working the PPC campaign. BNI is about as far on the other side of that axiom as you can get. How do you experience this, and how do you re- interact with the difference in the temperament of the operators you're helping and how you help navigate that to actual activities and channel strategies to pursue. 
Yeah, it's a great question. I, I wish there was a perfect recipe and said, you know, I'm going to give you a personality test, Jordan, and based on your personality, this is what you should go. <laughs> I mean, it's not there, right? I think the only, the only answer I know, and I'm open to feedback on this, is you need exposure to what's possible. Mm. So the thing that we always try to do is show our community and, and, and the, the industry in general. And I, I'm sure you've seen this with our webinars and the events we do and all the collaboration we have with you and with Profit Coach, all we want to do is expose you to the ways people are winning. And I and I and I know that this is, you know, maybe a bias I have as an entrepreneur is then I'm going to self-select and say, hey, that's how I'm going to build my company. That's what I care about, right? Um, or I have a peer or a mentor of mine that I really respect, and this is how Jordan is building his company. And you know what? I like how it's working for him. I'd like to model that. I like to find somebody who knows how to do that. So in reality, you know, the answer for me is I just need to expose as many people as possible to as many ways to do it as possible. And then be very open with the pros and the cons and say, hey, this is a sweat equity opportunity. Mm -hmm. This is a check equity mm -hmm. opportunity. Mm -hmm. This is a long-term play that's going to drive down the costs mm. and it's going to create bigger outcome. This is a short-term win. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think it's easy to use the real estate analogies so much with property management because so many of us are in real estate. So when you contrast like flipping properties versus wholesaling, which are all about getting cash early versus long-time portfolio building, um, creating uh, properties and actually, you know, syndicating those and, and creating that, which is longer term opportunities. Those are huge exits to take forever to get to versus I need money tomorrow. So it's the same thing. It, it really is. What's your parameter to run your business? If you're barely getting by and you need to grow, all you care about is where your next 10 doors are coming from. Let's have a conversation around where it works for that. If you're in this for the long haul, and you're out there flipping properties like crazy. You've got other businesses. And this property management thing is really the long-term play. We get a lot of calls from transactional brokerages who are doing just fine. And they're like, well, I just really like to get to a couple thousand doors over the next 10, 15 years, because that's residual income that's going to pay us forever. It's going to take care of my portfolio. That's an entirely different marketing strategy. So it really, be, it all begins with the end in mind, as everything does, right? So there is no one way do it. And if your goal is to build 2000 doors over 20 years, and my goal is to stay in the business for the next two years so I can survive, we're going to do different things, you know, and that's what we've really got to take into consideration. Yeah. I mean, there are so many different ways to skin the cat. <clears throat> but when we think about the commonalities amongst folks that are growing aggressively, that have, that have figured out growth, quote, quote unquote, we've parked on the fact that it's less of a knowledge gap and more of an intention gap of like how how much of a priority is it for you? And there's no judgment in that. Like there's no definitely no right or wrong answer to that question, but it's how much of a priority is it for you personally, not to delegate or stroke a check, but to, to lend your own um, mental gaze and stare at it for an extended period of time. But the common patterns that I see, and I'm sure it, it you know, I want to hear your feedback as well, Common pattern that I see is um, that this was made a top priority for an extended period of time, that the owner found a strategy that they do deeply um, 
enjoy. Like it plays to their strengths, whatever those are. And they leaned in financially to the point where they operationalized the function. There was some muscle executing their will with it. It wasn't, you know, it didn't like stay on them the entire time. Um, that's a key step I see at the end. Those are three things that are, that just feel obvious to me and really stick out as like a repeated pattern. What, what do you see? Well, you know, I actually love that you bring that up because just like anything else, we all, we, I, I feel, and this could just be bias of mine, that most of the owners I talk to think that 90% of business falls into this category that you can figure it out, you can systematize it, you can delegate it, and you can expect repeatable results. And then there's 10% of your business, like, well, it just happens. Like it's sales and marketing, right? You're either good at it or you're not good at it. And, you know, from the beginning, Jordan, I think you and I have, a, have rallied around this concept that anything that is worth doing long-term has to be able to be systematized and delegated, and you should be able to expect consistent returns, right? And as when we were business partners, I go back to that all the time. You and I, lots of conversations. There were a lot of things you could do and you would challenge me on them and we would both talk and be like, yeah, we could do this. This is going to be a huge boost, but is that sustainable? Is that something we're going to be doing over and over again? So mm. as much as we want mm. the owner mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. want to do it, which is what takes you to get, you know, kind of that first, you know, get it off a ground. great analogy for this that I talk about all the time is takes 90% of the rocket's fuel to get out of the atmosphere, exactly. right? Yeah, exactly. You and I talk about all the time. Uh -huh. It's going to take nothing but human will to get you there. But then at some point, you're going to have to say, is this sustainable? Can I can I systematize this? Mm -hmm. Can I teach this? Mm -hmm. There are some things in our businesses that Jeremy and Jordan can do uh, that probably is not handoffable to somebody else, right? And so we need, if we want to really grow a good company, we need to use that as a crutch, as a catalyst, as like infusion juice to, to hit goals. But then we need to be thinking as a business, you know, as a, as a leader, what, how am I really creating enterprise value? What is possible? What can I create? And so that's just something, you know, we're always having conversations with our owner. Is this something you're just going to do short term or is this a scalable thing that you need to do? Yeah. Can I answer your question? Well, you, that's, you can back into it a number of different ways. I think like, where my mind goes here is unique ability. There's yeah. scalability of like, do I have the bandwidth or have the time? You know, that's a, that's a very meaningful lens. I've had a number of activities that I knew I could really do some exciting stuff with for like a quarter. And then after that, the quality of me doing it would just go down and down and down. And that's sad. You know, I've seen that movie multiple times. Realistic though. <laughs> it is. Yes. You they're, they're, both. Time is, is finite. That is a fact. But unique ability is another lens of like, where should I be focusing? What, what would I um, not be able to or not want to delegate? Because I'm so good at it. It's what I'm here to be doing. Focus on that stuff. Double down on that stuff. And as you scale, my experience is that more and more is just ripped out of my hands. It's the obvious consequence of scaling. As I just, I've had this stuff, I've babysit, I've held on to, I've kind of micromanaged, and it's all just slowly, violently pulled out of your hands because things get bigger. You can't keep your hands on it. So obviously it's possible that it can be delegated. It's do you assign value 
in that exercise? And are you willing to go through, get over that hump of standing it up and then passing it off? But it's definitely the pattern of what folks do in order to get anywhere with this stuff. You mentioned like paper lead. Um, that in my mind is just like as far as you can get from having a sales marketing strategy because there is no barrier to entry. It takes no effort. So like the level of mastery that that demonstrates and therefore the returns that can come from something that has that little permission to entry, like there is those leads get recycled and the quality is so low. Yes. There's some value there. There's a season for some people. If you've got nothing but brute force and you want to call everybody back and you, you want to compete on, you know, maybe what these people are looking for, which is just a better response time or a lower cost. Yeah. Yeah. By all means. Yeah. I'm not going to talk you out of using that strategy. True. If you're the response time guy, if you're the response time guy and you truly call every lead within 30 seconds under those circumstances, that that might be viable for you. You might get some juice, but that's back to you know your makeup and what you're willing to do. Many, how many well, folks and, and are willing so to do what that? What I love about the toolkit idea, Jordan, is that's not the weight. Like you should not restrict your goals for the business based on the number of calls you can buy for paper lead. Right. And I promise you, I've been on calls, and maybe you have been too. And they're like, well, I don't really know if I need to grow because I can only buy so many leads. I can only get, you know, six calls a day. And I'm going to put a ceiling on my business on those six calls a day. Right. Like that's just the screwdriver, right? Or the hammer, perhaps, you know, mm-hmm. you need a whole toolkit. You need mm-hmm. multiple ways to grow this company if you're going to be playing at a high level. And we also know a competitor can come in town and they can just start paying three times the amount you're paying for those leads and your whole business model is gone in terms of growing. So again, there's nothing wrong. I just want us to have a tech stack, you know, I'm sorry, a lead stack. Yeah. Just the way that we want people to have a tech stack. Mismatched strategies is a theme I keep hearing from you. And the paper lead marketplaces are one of the best examples of that because of how heavily the results are tilted and skewed. What is non-obvious about paper lead marketplaces is that the there there's a small number of um, competitors that are closing the bulk of the deals and those folks tend to stick around and then in the rest of the the set of folks that are still also paying um, there's low results and a high degree of churn and it's the churn that actually props up those marketplaces and keeps them in business because it's a small number of operators that are closing the bulk of those deals and that's an example of just mismatched strategy. There's so many folks that are signed up for that that just shouldn't because um, response times is a great example. That's just That isn't an arena on which they want to compete on when that is very nakedly and obviously what you have to do. You have to call that lead back within the first minute. And you've got you've to beat the competitor's offer because even if you call them back in the first minute, they're going to get three more voicemails, uh-huh. right? Yeah, and then they're exactly. going to be like, well, you're 8% and these guys are 5%. You got to be willing so, to slug it out. Yeah. And that's not right for all of our clients. No, but it is It is for some. So like there's, uh, you know, there's no dogma here, right? The message here yeah. isn't paper lead is bad. It's that it's a very specific strategy. Yeah. And if you're not willing to operate exactly on that strategy, move on. There's other, there's better pastures. And my argument is it's a hammer, right? In the toolkit. Yeah. You can't exactly. build your company and hit your goals with just a hammer. Yeah. Right. You need other tools. Right. That's really the point. It's okay 
It's just not here to save you. So we're talking about um, channel strategy. Let's pivot. I want to hear some more of the themes of what I assume are going to come through at the Allbound conference, which is taking place in Austin, Texas, early December, same week of LSU. Yep. I want to hear about what you have teed up and use that as kind of a general, a proxy for what you prioritize. Like the agenda there reflects what you're currently prioritizing and thinking people need to know and understand and what's going on in the market. Who are you targeting and what are people going to be hearing out about at that event? We're, we're targeting ambitious property managers. Uh, we've told people that the event is designed for owners, people in charge of business development and marketing managers. And there's going to be something in that for all of them. In fact, each presentation we're doing, Jordan, we're actually saying, hey, these are the takeaways. If you're the owner, this is what you should take away. If you're the business development manager, this is what you should take away. If you're in charge of marketing, this is what you should take away. So we're trying to spoon feed it. Um, you have been a big part of some sales masteries. Blast from the past. You remember this bad boy from New Hampshire? Oh, I'm boy. Sorry, Nashville? Oh, boy. Was that number one or number two? This was number two, I think. That was number Nashville. two. I sure I do. Look, I sure 50 do. Pages. 50 pages of a workbook, right? So, you know, the, the whole point of bringing that up, because I had this because I was sharing it with somebody the other day, is this is the one-of-a-kind nature of our uh, mastery events is you leave with ideas. Ideas you can implement tomorrow, ideas that won't even make sense to you for six months or 12 months from now. Mm. So I know you've always been a big fan of leave an event with one big takeaway, which I agree. Got to do something right away. But our nature is to kind of overwhelm people with lots of ideas, but not for that stuff to just dissipate and turn into fairy dust, but give them a way that they can take it home in a workbook. And maybe you're going to find an idea that you heard in December. It didn't make sense to you until next October. And then this was like, hey, this actually makes a lot of sense for us. Let's do it. So our goal is to bring in a ton of case studies. Here's what's working within the industry uh, for inbound, outbound, and nextbound. By the way, nextbound is just who knows your next client, which is referral marketing. What are all the ways people are doing it today? What are some ways that we're seeing tangential or auxiliary industries doing it that are just outside of what we do? Other real estate services, other you know professional services that really map back to property management. Let's show you what they're doing. Who's going to be the first to adopt that idea for the industry? You know, I'm, the bit, I've, I'm going to be repetitive on this, Jordan. When you brought me in this industry, we went to conferences. Everybody said, if they don't do it in property management, don't listen to them. It's not a good idea, right? That was like every conference he took me to. Those guys don't know what they're doing. It doesn't work in property management. Since then, in the last five years, I think you and I have seen the most innovative companies take ideas from other industries and bring them into the industry. And that's a theme of what Renscale is all about. So what I'm about, I think you are the same way. Let's bring ideas that are just outside the realm of what we do. And let's just look at these brilliant people, find a way to make it work for them. So that's my goal. That's really who the conference is for. Mm, mm. So I'm hearing the focus here is, um, there's a lot encompassed in that. What I think about, if my intent was to grow, to show up and blow up in 2024, what I would be showing up for 
Content strategy, yes. Get clear broadly directionally. Like directionally, where am I headed? You know me, I'm, I lean more on the vision side. So I'm like high level direction. Um, but, but the other takeaway for me, what I would most definitely be bent on if this was my priority in 2024 running um, SFR property management company would be the connections and the relationships of the people that I'm going to call repeatedly to see, hey, what's up? I'm trying this. I've done that. What's working for you? What's your offer look like right now? How are you handling uh, pressure from people with large portfolios? What's going on with ops? Are you, you running into any bottlenecks when you hand deals off? Is that jamming you up at all? Those types of conversations, that's where the money is at. And when you come to an event like this, if that is your intention, it's really straightforward. You know, like it's it that that will happen for you if that is your intention. And I think that that's an incredibly useful intention. I mean, relationships, sharing that kind of context, that's where so much of the insight that's come up for me in my career. And I'm seeing a growing edge of folks in the organization that are not just the company owner doing that. I, you know, I don't know if I've ever articulated this, but I'd say over the last two years, I've seen a bit more of that happening. Um, I've seen examples of integrators or, or general manager or COO, whatever title you want to use, number twos syncing up and getting together. I've seen a, a, at least <clears throat> one group of that is taking place in um, Profit Coach right now. I'm seeing another example for maintenance. Maintenance co- I've seen maintenance coordinators having a mastermind. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we've seen that with the BDM function with Scale Club. How many folks are in Scale Club right now? Ballpark. Uh, yeah, we're, we're close to 70 people, which is about 60 companies. And yeah, I think uh, we've even had some Scale Club members, you know, uh, leave Scale Club and then start their own businesses together. So talk about masterminding, right? Uh, we definitely spurred that That's kind of true. relationship. That's true. Right. That's a fact. That's and a fact. I was on a call very early this morning with, uh, with an integrator, and she said, Thanks to Profit Coach, I'm meeting other integrators in the same business. So I had, I didn't know you guys were doing that over at Profit Coach, but I heard that literally at first call this morning. So I love the very specific masterminds that are coming out of this kind of collaboration. Yes, 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 absolutely. So the last thing that comes to mind for me in terms of takeaways, you know, if I'm putting myself in the <clears throat> shoes of someone listening and being at the event, is around setting expectations for 2024. And baby, it is November. We're coming into Thanksgiving. Forecasting, forecasting, forecasting. It's like low-key consuming my life right now. I'm in meeting after meeting, and it's ground and pound. I'm getting ready. And our our financial year doesn't even start until um, February 1st because we're offset by a month. So I'm further ahead than I've been in the past. I'm getting a lot of lift out of it. I'm curious for you. How do you think about the kind of forecasting that scales and makes sense for your average residential PM managing, you know, three to 600 units? How do you think about forecasting goals for 2024? What should someone be keeping in mind? It's a great question. You know, we, we've done a lot of forecasting. I know you, you have a very um, exciting view of forecasting, which I do as well, because Typically, you know, people who don't have a goal in mind uh, don't hit it, right? It's pretty obvious to say, uh, especially on the upside and also on the cost control side. So forecasting is just a function of sophistication in your business model. I think we all know that. 
Right. I'm very excited about the forecasting we've built together, Jordan, between Lead Simple and RentScale on the upside. Uh, don't call Jeremy to manage your finances and your budgeting. But if you want to forecast your sales and your hop in, I think we're just as sophisticated as the profit coaching guys are over on managing the expenses and the budgeting. So the takeaway that I would say is you got to have goals and they got to be realistic. But something we talk about all the time is, you know, if you're 20, 30 doors today or 200 or 300 doors today, and your goal is to be four or 500 doors, you got to budget for that. Right. I think that we all somehow think that we can just budget to be a 200 door company, both on the upside and the marketing and the uh, cost side. And then somehow to wake up tomorrow, we're a 600 door company. It takes intention. It takes sacrifice. It's got to be well thought out. You don't want to bet the farm on it to the point where you'd be, you know, you'd have a death wound if you overspent. But there is a gigantic leap of faith and it should be done within the right expertise and within the right um, experience to say, hey, I think we can go from a 200-door company to a 400-door company. This is what our budget would look like. And if we're halfway through the year and we're not hitting those numbers, we need reserve budgets to change that. That's something we talk about all the time. Something we're doing here, you know, you being inside working at Rinsdale, I do believe, like you guys, next year we'll be on the Inc. 5000 fastest growing company list. Um, and we've doubled in size and, and we've had goals to triple in size and we've hit those goals and we've had to adjust those budgets. So I guess the takeaway sounds a little convoluted is you need the right budgets for what is reality. What's going to keep you in the game. We can't die the ultimate death stroke as a business, but you also can't keep spending like a million dollar company if you're on your way to becoming a $5 billion company, right? And you know, team investment in people, advertising, marketing, all of those things lead to hitting the next goal. So the most complicated thing that I've kind of experienced and I've learned from my EO network, you and I've talked about, we've got a mutual friend in Greg Crabtree, is how do you manage for profit at the size you are, but make the right investments to the scale that you want to be? And it's the hardest part of my business. It was easy both neighbors on next door of every house that everybody listening to this lives in would have $10 million a year business. I think this is the, one of the hardest parts about business. Shout out to Greg Crabtree. That was a clutch reference. Yeah. He's doing great work for anybody that hasn't read simple numbers. It's essential reading. <clears throat> and yeah, you know, really my question there was about goals and I hear you saying people need to have a goal, which is not obvious. And I think what I would add here is, when you're thinking about where to set the goal, people can get hung up in all sorts of different directions. Um, you don't want to be over. You don't want to be under. You don't want to commit because you don't want to. You don't want to fail. Like you can really get in your head with setting uh, your goals. The way that I think about goal setting is: what are you willing to commit to? Where when you're making up the gap, it'll come in the form of like a pound of flesh. How big of a gap? are you willing to make up? If everything just wasn't teed up perfectly and wasn't gonna go exactly right, and you were gonna to have to course correct, and by sheer force of will, fix it to get back to the goal and stay on track, how much of that are you up for? That's a just a really helpful calibrating lens for me. And I know that my appetite is lower 
than other people's. Some some people's. It's higher than some some other people's. Um, what are you optimizing for? Stability? Going sideways? That's that's there's there's temptation in that for me. And the, I call it temptation because it's not really what I want to do. I get the most juice out of the journey by being under load and strain. And so that's what I'm solving and optimizing for. So therefore, the goals are just commensurate. It's kind of obvious that you would have big goals if you're looking to be experiencing growth by virtue of being under strain. However, we both know that when you get when you go sideways, if you just go sideways, the tenor, the tone, the vibe, the ethos, it feels different. Instead of feeling like, yet again, I have no idea what I'm doing because I've never done this before, you get to a place of like, okay, this is somewhat comfortable. This is familiar. And somewhere in that nexus is where everybody has to calibrate. And the, the counsel for me is just to be maximally honest with yourself and not aspirational about your level of ambition. You know, be as be honest about exactly how ambitious you are. No more, no less, whatever that is. That's kind of that's my guiding feedback. How does that land with you? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm gonna. I hesitate because I'm super ambitious, <laughs> uh, and you, you've seen that. I mean, looks like me. So, and you and I have had counsel of clients where we're like, yeah, they're not. They have, they're saying they want X, and we're telling them what it's gonna take to get X, and then you can read the look on their face, and they're like, thank you for having that conversation with me, mm -hmm. Jordan, because I don't want that. Right, the, the pound of flesh mm -hmm. you're talking about. Um, it, it is really, you know. I think satisfaction and enjoy enjoy from life as an individual does come from progress. Mm. Does come from pushing the boundaries and and doing things you didn't think were possible before. So I over index on You're a romantic entrepreneur, bro. That, that am, that's I what's up here. risk and the the winner story, and I did it. That's not for everybody. So I, that's me holding back because I know I've got 50 clients that like, I wouldn't give them that advice because I've got to know them and they don't want to do it. You know? So I'm always pushing people and maybe that's the uh, gift I have to give to the people in my proximity. Well, I mean, that's what people are, that's why people are coming to you, right? They're self-electing saying, push me, like help me, help me to get up there. I've done that, man. Like the coaching relationships I've worked with, that's all it was. It was, it was, it was a push, you know? taken to a deeply uncomfortable place and it's produced some stuff I'm really proud of and grateful for. There should be no court ordered coaching relationships. It's gotta be selected. It's not gonna work, right? It's not gonna work if they're like, no, we just need to go see Jordan. He's gonna teach you a thing bigger, yeah. healthier, do something different. Like it's not gonna work. It's gotta be selected. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Of course, yeah, well said. All right, man, well, um. Uh, we covered some good ground there, but something that hasn't come up that I really wanted to hit was I want to talk a little bit about this dream that you had. I remember being at a tequila bar with you and you just kind of dropping this idea on me that you were really excited about. And I think you knew that I was really going to like and I really did like it. And it was just a very enjoyable kind of satisfying conversation because one thing I know about you is that you – are pretty bent towards wanting to do long-term planning to set vision and also as a forcing function and then like really 
kind of call your shot and map towards it, which I really respect. So when we looked at it, like I just assumed that this was going to become reality. You know, you're into you're into manifesting shit, for lack of a better term. So that was the early memory, and today it's here. And that <clears throat> that is the only PM focus SFR professional PM focused publication that I'm aware of outside of the one that Narprim produces. What do we got cooking here, brother? What what are you up to with this project? So yeah, I remember sitting at the bar with you at you're in Orlando at a conference together. Uh and I did share with you on I think on my iPhone of all places, my little brief for strategic PM. And and this goes back to the idea of I think you and I are just drowning in case studies of people doing stuff that other people think is impossible. So some of our clients, like I said, like the Mark Hanley, you know he's his goal is to get to a million dollars of recurring revenue a month in property management. And I think they hit that actually. And I think a lot of people are like, well, that's just crazy. Cause that's what I hope to do at, at, at a yearly rate. And then other people are, you know, creating these amazing maintenance businesses within their property management businesses. And some of those divisions are creating more revenue than they can ever imagine. And so I saw this and I said, we love the community that we're watching happen in property management. I just believe most of what I was seeing was talk around how to be a good fiduciary steward of the property, how to be profitable, how to not get in trouble, how to make your life easier. But I didn't really see short of you with your podcast, because I don't want to discount that. I just didn't see this amazing amount of case studies and storytelling around people that were leading the industry. And I said, hey, people need to know what's possible. People need to know that there's ways to make money being small and profitable. People need to know there's ways to make money being giant. People need to know that building a property management company is actually maybe the best catalyst you can to build your own investment property. Like our good friend, Ralph, who's got you know 500 investment properties through his clients, which is amazing. He's partnering with them. I just didn't see a place where those stories were being told. And so I thought, what if there was like a Forbes magazine of property management mm. because thinking long term, if you know I do, we talk all the time. I don't really make three month bets. I don't buy a stock to sell it the same year. I'm buying a ton of Tesla, ton of Apple. I'm buying things that I think are going to be really valuable ten years from now. And I think it's the same way. I think that this industry is growing like crazy. I think that the market for professional property management, especially in residential and auxiliary market. Uh, like association short-term commercial is only going to explode. And I think they're going to be looking for leadership. And so I didn't see that need being filled. So we came up with strategic PM. We have a quarterly magazine. Uh, we have about 10,000 mailing addresses. So if you don't have it yet, go to strategicpm.com and sign up. They're mailing now and they'll mail every quarter. And it's a full on glossy print magazine because there's a huge deficit of people online they're actually participating in the community. And it's hard to get email addresses that people respond to. It's hard to get phone numbers that people answer. But you know what we can do? We can get everybody's office address. And if a glossy magazine shows up in their office talking about their peers doing great things, I think people will start to glom onto that and want to know more about it. So we have Strategic PM, the mailing magazine, and then we have This Week in PM. I built this studio out in the dining room, which is crazy. Um, I swap out my rent scale, you know, night for this week in PM and every other week we have a live show 
where we basically imagine like a morning business show about property management. Because I think this industry needs that kind of respect and that kind of pulse to know what's going on, who's winning, and what they should be doing next. So that's the vision, and that's what we're executing on. It's costing us a fortune, so I would appreciate if anybody would actually pay attention to it, because we're putting a ton of energy and money to this. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're making your bet. You're definitely making your bet, calling your shot here. Uh, I love that. I love getting to witness <clears throat> that. I think what was interesting to me is, and what's just generally appealing to me, is celebration of the operator. Back to the whole comment I made about, uh, you know, that romantic flavor of entrepreneurship that very much appeals to me as well. That's one way to phrase it. Another way is just like acknowledgement for people in the industry that are doing cool stuff to be seen and be celebrated. That gives me uh, joy to to witness. So, like the the magazine shot of Brandon, Brandon, my guy, Brandon Skolton, key runner, Denver. I've known this guy for a minute. And just seeing him on the cover of the magazine, it was, I don't know. It was cool. It was gratifying. It was like, yeah. The, he, the romanticism that, that he has built a thousand door company by wanting to be the best place in Denver to work, right? Like how much conversation is happening about investing in your people and property mm, management? He's like, so there's a lot of that. value yeah. in offshoring and automating and then software, but who's really talking about investing in your people? And then he's here at a thousand doors, super profitable. I think he's one of the most profitable in his franchise because he invests in those people. Nobody's talking about that. So I just want to make sure we're telling those stories. Mm. He's always had that disposition to make those types of investments and been really vocal about it. So yeah, I mean that and a thousand other stories. And that's what's interesting to me. Like story, narrative, it is what drives us. It is what shapes and crafts us. And you're leaning into it. So just for maximal clarity, brother, like somebody's like, give it to me. I want it. How do they sign up to begin getting this? Go to strategicpm.com, the website. Uh, you just click on sign up. You can create a free online sign up. You can also add your mailing address. If you want the glossy full cover magazine. Go to any of the social profiles for a strategic PM, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn, and you're going to get, if you subscribe, you're going to get the live video show that we do every other Thursday. The irony is, I know it's called This Week in PM, Jordan, but if they feel like it takes us two weeks to come up with a great episode, I always feel like I have to defend that, but it does. We put a ton of time in it, so it's This Week in PM. Every other week in PM.com. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah we just didn't think really we had the same sizzle so <laughs> i love it all right dude i love jamming with you i'm excited to have you in my city later this year um that's going to be a really fire week so looking forward to that and i love the scene that what you're doing in the industry the ways in which you're giving back highlighting celebrating operators and uh yeah man i'm glad to be in this the, the industry is richer because you're in it so thank you well thank you you brought me into this industry let's not forget you know, so I am here because you brought me in. And uh, yeah, I think I'm just, I'm just building, I'm scaffolding on your shoulders, right? I'm oh, in my own little niche. That's really kind. You saw. <laughs> that's really, really kind. Yeah. Um, 
maybe a bit of a overstatement there. I mean, you've I come and you've, you've added a ton of value, but I, I am glad that whatever that initial contact was many, many. Yeah, it's on top of the fundamentals that you brought. You know what I mean? So yes, I just gotta, I gotta, I gotta call it what it is. I'm well, adding value in my own little way, but it's only because you set the foundation. You know, I think so. like takeaway for anybody that's, that's hearing that is like, when you meet somebody that shares the same POV, when, and I don't know about you, brother, but that comes up for me. It's not just like background accomplishments. It's like I do have a specific POV. And in our initial interactions, I could just tell that we were fairly synced up on um, how we saw some things. So that made it a lot <clears throat> easier. So, yeah, if you're listening to this, like one takeaway for today is wh who are the people in business that you find that you just kind of relate similarly to how business should be done? And how do you how do you get yourself in more rooms with people like that? Final parting takeaway for me. One last piece of advice for you, Jeremy. If you had one last piece of advice for an operator listening to this, what is it? Uh, I think I got to go back to what I have the shirt on. So this is something we've talked about from early days, Jordan, more doors, less trauma. It, it means a lot to me. It can be easy to misunderstand, but the less drama part is the people part, right? As an entrepreneur, you and I have had this conversation, Jordan. Nothing affects our quality of life more than our clients and our staff. And so the less drama comes from be good enough to attract the right clients that you want, be intentional enough to attract the right clients and be good enough to attract and keep the right people in your life as an entrepreneur and be far more enjoyable. Mm. It's going to keep you in the game longer and afford mm. you the mm -hmm. opportunity. Mm -hmm. to mm. So <laughs> start with the people. That's more doors, less truth, mud. I love it. Yeah, that's a whole other, whole other podcast episode right there. We'll have to pick that one up another time. All right. As always, it was great jamming with you. Loved it. Thanks for coming on the show, brother. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me, man. See you soon. Until next time. That's it for this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. You can check out other episodes along the way. If you're watching this on YouTube, appreciate to subscribe. Any comments, I'm always here to engage. If you're listening on an audio platform, would really appreciate a review. It's a great way to help other people find out about the show.